The views and opinions expressed by the guests on the following program do not necessarily represent those of Mark Radio, The Shepherd, or its advertisers. Welcome to the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, offering insights, wisdom, and counsel from the most respected CEOs. Here is the host of the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, John Crossman. Hello, this is John Crossman, and welcome to the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. Our good friend, Dr. Josh Harris, is back to see us. Dr. Harris, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be with you, John. So on this episode, we, we typically, in most shows, we ask people about the market, and then we ask about advice for young professionals, um, people that want to be CEOs. I really just want to take this episode and really just sort of focus mm-hmm. it on that, um, um, because you're a long-term college professor. You became a college professor at a very young age, and yes. so <laughs> you're still young, and, and you've had some history to you. So let me start with this. Uh, when you reflect back on uh, the student that you're like, oh my gosh, I think this kid's a superstar. Mm-hmm. And time has proven out that they are a superstar. Yes. You're like that one. Yes. What was it about that kid day one that made you go, that kid's got it? So um, I'm not going to put their name on the air. The person instantly jumps into my head. And I will say that their work product as a student, right, in a undergraduate real estate investment analysis course, and I wasn't even the teacher. I was the graduate assistant who got all the fun of doing the grading. His work product was miles ahead. It clearly, he put more time into it, right? I don't think, I mean, he was smart, but I don't think he was like miles smarter than even say the dumbest kid in the class, right? Who, which is hard to pick out. But he put the time into it. He understood that what quality looked like. And he knew that you're going to have to be always producing quality. It'd be awesome. He just started doing it when there was really no price for it. And I think that that's one of the consistent things that people are willing to do the work, to care about quality, to care about getting it, doing it right to the best of their ability. Even when there's no obvious payoff to such, I think all the students that ever showed me that they're the most successful hands down. So it sounds like you're saying kind of a self-starter, not the smartest kid, but really concerned about quality of work. Yes. Right. They really want to do a great job even though they don't necessarily have to. You know, it's interesting. I, one of the one of my favorite professors that I ever had uh, when I was an undergraduate, he was a calculus professor. And you can kind of imagine, you know, teaching undergraduate calculus, certainly it was for like type for engineers, it was an honors course, this one in particular. You're probably the professor who's often going to help kids discover, well, maybe they're not going to be engineers or doctors, right? Because calculus is one of those weed out courses. And he would talk about this. He always had life plus calculus was his way he would describe some of these lectures. And he was always hit with this about how students, he could kind of lump them into two categories. There was those that did whatever it took, meaning whatever it took to pass the class or to get an A or whatever it was. And then those who had really good excuses. Now he would, he wasn't putting them down. He would then stop and say, and what I mean by that is they had, actually good excuses. There was this problem in their home life. They had this you know, difficulty. They had this, this, and this. But then these other kids, well, if you talk to them, they probably had similar things. They just didn't focus on them. They just did whatever it took. They prioritized their study time. They, they needed help in extra tutoring. They came and got it. They just did whatever it took. And his viewpoint was everyone's going to have something. Either you let that, either everyone's got a problem. Either you let that excuse define you or you do whatever it takes. Hmm. Is part of what you're saying, the the quality of the students communicating with their professor? That's a big part. I mean, I will say that 
and this is one of those, you know, with the more we use online um, communications or every school nowadays, if you're a college student has like a learning management system where everything is submitted online, the quizzes are online. So even if you're coming, even in with a live class, doesn't matter if it's an online class or not, I do think that students are not used to coming to office hours. In fact, there was a time where, you know, office hours was a real thing. People lined up, right? Because email didn't exist. Well, no one comes to office hours hardly anymore. In fact, to the point that the majority of college faculty probably have it as by appointment only because if I say I'm going to be there from four to five and no one shows up, it's a big waste of time. And if you are struggling, go ask questions. You can get all kinds of help. You be, I mean, I'm sometimes shocked that when a student waits till the very end to suddenly say they have a problem. Like, well, why didn't you talk to me sooner? I could have given you guidance points or told you things not to worry about. And yeah, that's just, that's part of being resourceful, right? I mean, is being willing to say, hey, I got a problem. Can you help me? Yeah, it's one of those life lessons of college. Um, how about a kid you're like, gosh, this kid's going to be a superstar and then did not become a superstar? What was, uh, tell me their name and address. No, no. <laughs> what, 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 what was it that you think happened there that you're like, gosh, that didn't go the way I thought it would? There's a, the interesting thing is that there's a few varieties of those. I mean, I do think the successful students, there's a lot more commonality in the less than successful, which can range around, you know, a broad gambit. Um, they usually, one, sometimes they get distracted, right? In in the sense that they see how hard the climb is. And and I don't, I don't think I classify these ones as failures where they maybe were going for a very high end role sometimes. And they realize, you know, uh, and I, there's a, a personal friend of mine during the, uh, during one of my, my programs who was looking at doing a brokerage and then ended up um, working for Lockheed Martin. And this is how to do, and I think that person is probably very capable, but you know, rather than slogging through like the 08, 09 downturn, probably making no money or nearly there found that they could make, I don't know, 50, $60,000 or maybe more as a financial analyst for Lockheed. I think that person is very happy now. If you were to compare it towards like that real estate high end goal, yeah, that doesn't look like a failure. But from a career standpoint, this person has a great career. So I think some people just find a level and are stay there. Some people also that are maybe more the real flashy ones. Some I have seen a few people blow up and candidly, it's your book that actually and your your lectures around that that really nail this. Sometimes I've seen them have ethical failures or mm. just do some, I mean, literally drug out or ga- gambling out and. I look where they are now and I mean, they're, they have a job, but it's nowhere there's, I have a few people, there's nowhere. If they had applied themselves, they'd be multimillionaire plus by now, but instead they're an X, Y, Z. It's something not all that interesting. And I feel like if they hadn't, hadn't partied as hard and done some of those crazy things, they might have a chance. I know some people who literally, you know, committed ethical breaches. And by the way, if you commit an ethical breach, everyone finds out and then no one wants to hire you. And before you know it, you're going to be a manager of a chain restaurant, not a big real, nothing, there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, you're not going to be in a business that requires high ethical boundaries, like yeah. real estate. And I think you could overcome it if you're really clean about it. Yes. Know? Yeah. Atonement can happen for sure. Yeah. I will tell you this. When I think about that subject, um, success is interesting because, you know, because I took the time off to care for my wife and kids and my mom. And because, you know, I've, I've given away a lot of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm not super wealthy and I've done okay, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm not like what other people are. But I'm glad with the decisions I made. Like it comes back to you have to define your own success right. and you could get clouded with what other people are doing. 
And if you get clouded with that, you can get on a path that you don't really want to be on. Right. So you <laughs> got to keep coming back to it's like, how do you yeah. define this success? You know, what does that look like? Because you and I both known people who have been wildly financially successful and they're like awful, you know, like and miserable. And yeah. Yes. And not the people, you know. So when I lived in New York, I met quite a few of those. Yeah. And so trying to find that balance, you know. Yeah. Well, are there, um, well, are there any students, this is a short one that like, because uh, we got to break in just a minute, but if you, you saw them and you're like, man, I don't think anything of this one. And then they shocked you. Yes. You had some of those too? Yes. And usually they, they disc- sometimes it's that late run, like they discover they have a motivation or a reason to do it later on. Or candidly, sometimes people just camouflage themselves. Like they, they in class, they're really quiet, but they actually are like, you know, a superstar, like, like the, like the person treading water looks all peaceful up front, but really they're moving like crazy. Well, then they just, you know, they move and then finally they catch, they catch the ground and just go running. And that, that happens all that, that does happen. It, not as much as I wish it did candidly. Yeah, that's cool. That's good to hear that. Okay. Uh, Dr. Harris, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back here at the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. This is John Crossman. I work with a lot of vendors in the commercial real estate industry. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite ones ever is my friends over at Construction Unlimited, Florida's premier roofing company. And they bridge the craftsmanship with the pinnacle of innovation. They're just one of the best groups because of the trust, the expertise, the quality. And my favorite part, they're really committed to the community. When you're thinking about roofing construction needs, keep Construction Unlimited at the top of your list. At JLL, we are reshaping the future of real estate for a better world. For over 250 years, our firm has remained committed to offering trusted and innovative solutions in commercial real estate leasing, management, investment strategies, and technology. JLL.com. See a brighter way. Here's a call to those who want to make an impact on their company, their community, or who possess a desire to make the world a better place. Crossman Career Builders provides the tools and resources for you or your company to make a difference on some of the toughest issues that we all face. Crossman Career Builders partners with CEOs, politicians, and pastors seeking to address problems of racism, mental health, addiction, justice, and suicide. CrossmanCB.com. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, uh, we're back here with Dr. Josh Harris. And Dr. Harris, I'm just this episode, we're really just talking about advice and college students and things you're saying. So here's a different one. You have um, run an apartment um, at a large state university. Um, you've worked at a, in a, another market at a state university. Mm-hmm. And now you're at a private university. Yep. And then you've had all kinds of experiences that. Um, are the students wildly different in these different schools? Or are they? do you see kind of the same challenges everywhere you go? You know... When I left UCF, University of Central Florida, to go to NYU, New York University, you couldn't think of a, such a, I thought this could be what a polar opposite experience. And in a way it was. I mean, the median wealth or income of, say, the families or the, or the um, not with the kids, I'll say the families of, at UCF or somewhere, was pretty wildly different. Right? I mean, there's, as, as is the tuition, especially if you're looking at an in-state UCF tuition, which is about as low as you could possibly get to what I believe may have had the highest cost of attendance tuition and room and board in the entire country because NYU is expensive and New York's not a cheap place to live. Notwithstanding that fact, which did have a lot of impact, no, I would say the populations were very similar. Their abilities, their aptitudes. Maybe the NYU students were slightly higher test takers, right? As you can kind of imagine from, from an admission standpoint. Um, but that top 20% was actually identical. 
Uh, wow. Bottom, I would say the top 20% were pretty similar. Now, the bottom third, candidly, at a UCF, like at a, a large state school, was definitely probably not as good as, say, the bottom third at an NYU. That, that makes that, sense. That's more depth, is what yes, you're saying that, there. Yes, definitely, definitely the case. But, you know, college kids are all kind of college kids. That's kind of why I usually like college football is that, I mean, at the end of the day, they're all 20-year-olds that have only been playing football so long. Right. It's not like the... So you never know who's going to catch fire or surprise you or fall apart, right? And I think the same has been true, that they're... There's a lot more similarity, which I will say a final point on that. It actually created probably the, the higher end in the university I went into, the more stress it actually put on those kids because they all had sometimes because of their parents or their, they had pressures, like they were all guaranteed to be a CEO, right? And so they were more expectant of it. And then they get frustrated when they didn't get that kind of immediate success. Where really the UCF students, and this would be true even of, the, of UF or FSU students that I would talk to, they were more appreciative of it. So sometimes they they were had a better mindset going into about the difficulties of it. So it, it just, you know, it's almost like what relative position you started in that, that sort of impacted it. So what advice would you give parents then? I mean, you, you, you must've seen kids that were pushed too hard or, you know, I, I'm a friend of mine tell me, he's like, Hey, you never heard of a, like helicopter parents that that parents <laughs> an Apache, you know, like, um, I, uh, uh, president Barron of Penn state university previously was president of FSU mm. and he and I had dinner together and he told me that he would get emails from somebody like, my student got a B in this class. They need to get an A. Well, can you imagine, Mike, can you imagine that? I had that all the time. So should, oh, yeah. I was I've, I've heard this happen at all levels. But, but I, wait, real quick though, but yeah. Mike, when you and I were in school, yeah. that never happened. No way. That was, no it, way. You would be laughed. If you told yeah. your friends that your mommy was, was contacting the yeah. Prince University. Yeah. You might get expelled. You, you would just be kicked yeah. out. But you're telling me, Josh, that you as a professor, as a head of a department would get emails from parents. At NYU, where I was academic director, so I was sort of the, you know, chief complaint officer for the entire 800 plus grad students and 150, whatever it was, undergrads, I would get some weird, random stuff occasionally from parents. I had a parent come in a meeting with the kid because they couldn't get into a class. And this was the best part because I I know what's going on in a student's head. I, I know the reality of it. The student had kind of sold it to the parent, like if they didn't get this class, it was going to like destroy their whole plan or something like this. The reality is they didn't want to take the one on Thursday, which would disrupt their ability to go out and party that night. And their their parent, who seemed like a very successful entrepreneur, entrepreneurial type, um, was there ready to go to war over his son. And I'm like, this has got to be a joke, right? Like when when's Aston Kutcher coming in saying I'm getting punked? I mean, I, I didn't, it was crazy. I didn't you, get well, that at UCF. I'll tell you that. Well, much. you, you must've had, um, you know, some kids where you were thinking, gosh, I wish they had a parent helping yes. them. You saw that too. Yeah. yeah. And oh, that's yeah. kind of sad. But then the other side, you have like, dude, you've got to get your mom it, out of this situation. I, listen, I would, I, I've, I've thought, I mean, I say joke because I don't, of my long list of things I want to write about when I have the time to write this is far down the list, but I thought about writing or a pinning more my guide to you know college, a guide for college for parents. I will say, here's a big thing. Let your kids do everything. I had to, not because my parents were bad parents, but they were busy running businesses and other things. And I was kind of that overachiever. Like I didn't trust my mom to like write my college applications. Right. Do you know me? And I, I think it's actually very common for parents to take a lot of lead on doing college applications for their kids. Uh, certainly making make sure they get in, but even just writing them, don't do it. You can't do their homework. Like, what do you, I, and I've seen this, like the parents who are helping out all the way with their, I mean, they did that. Look, they probably did this in high school, middle school. And I understand elementary school and I have a seven year old. Who knows what I'm going to be? That's why I'm almost afraid to make too many strong pronouncements. Cause I feel like I'll become, I'll prove myself a hypocrite, but I feel that 
if the kid, if you want the kid to be a leader and a doer, we went about self-starting in the first, you know, in, our, in the first section of this interview. I mean, they got to start. That's part of it. In fact, when I mentioned like the, the one superstar kid that I said jumped to mind, he did everything himself. It was he was independent. He was a little, maybe two years older than the rest of the class, but. And, he's, and by the way, he was a junior college transfer, community college transfer, yeah. which if you believe and listen to some of the administrators at, at some of these schools, they think that, you know, these people are like permanently disabled, not even close to no, the truth. No, in fact, some of those junior college transfer kids were some of the strongest. Some of them were the weaker ones, too. Right. Because, I mean, junior college is obviously open access to everybody. So what do you expect? Everyone comes through. But he was what made him so successful was he did everything. He was on his own budget line. And I think that I got to say, parents kick the kid out of the nest. And if they fall and break their wing, great. I'd rather them do that at 18 or 19. They need to experience failure because there they can mend from it. In college, you are never out. Listen, Josh, one of the things you and I both know, Mike knows this, is loss. We've all had loss. You know, we, 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 you know, we've talked about this, Mike, Mike yeah, lost a absolutely. child, yeah. you know, you, you've lost your dad recently. I mean, we've all had yeah. pain and if you don't learn it some way how to onboard yeah. the skill set, what, what are you going to do with that? I tell this story and, and I, it's funny, I'm, I don't tell it right because when I tell it, people sort of look at me sideways, but you know, I do a lot of college lectures and my daughters have a policy that they came up with. I'm not allowed to lecture at their colleges while their <laughs> students there. And so People like, like will say, they, they kind of get like put out like, oh, that sounds like terrible. I'm like, guys, I'm really close with my daughters. Yeah. I love my daughters. They love me. But what they're saying is they want me on campus to be dad, right. not yes. the, this other guy. And look, I'm a trustee at two major universities. And one of my kids, like, like the, the president of the university, we don't even know each other. Right. But I get the dynamic that if I meet him and he finds that out, you, you know, who knows? But their college experience needs to be about them. Yep. Not about me. Yeah. Right. Like they're not, they're not John's daughters. They're, they are who they are. And so, you know, it, it's hard as a parent because you want to be there. You want to guide them. Right. But, uh, but allowing them to get way out there, that seems like they're really good advice. I, and, exactly. and cheapers, creepers, putting a pressure on a kid that they got to become a CEO. Mm-hmm. That's, that's rough. Well, I've seen, we've talked about mental health challenges. I mean, I, I saw more overly stressed, challenged young adults. I don't want to say children. I mean, these are typically in their early twenties, you know, over the last many years. And it's, I feel like that's increased over the almost like 13 or 14 years I've, I've taught college where I feel if you gotta be, you gotta be right. I mean, and I, but I've seen students, um, I think I've seen some undergrad students who I can't get a B in this class. Why I'm going to law school and that one B could destroy it. I'm like, Oh my Lord. Well, you know, listen, I, I recently, my, my oldest daughter, who's a great student, she said to me, Dad, I'm really worried. I, I might get in a B in this one class. And I said, you know, I, I made a B in one class too. It's a little different. <laughs> um, Dr. Josh Harris, thanks for being on the show. That's that's great advice. And you know, we have a lot of college students and young professionals that are listeners. And of course, CEOs got kids in college. So Absolutely. thanks for sharing all that. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and be back with our final segment with Mike Gillen.
I'd like to thank Maynard Cooper and Gale PC for being a sponsor of our program. Maynard is a full-service law firm with over 350 attorneys and 14 offices nationally who serve with professional excellence in everything from corporate and business matters to day-to-day legal issues. The office in Central Florida focuses its practice in real estate, corporate transactions and organization, banking and finance, along with trust and estates. To learn more, visit MaynardCooper.com. Crossmock Services is a commercial real estate firm offering a wide range of professional services, including advisory, brokerage and leasing, investing, and property management. Our staff comprises the industry's most seasoned professionals who possess the needed knowledge in real estate investments, analysis, and portfolio management to drive growth. See how Crossmark can work for you. That's CrossmarkServices.com. As the largest property tax practice in North America, Ryan's Professionals possess the local footprint and knowledge backed by a team with national expertise to help organizations minimize their property tax liabilities and ensure valuations are fair and accurate. With the Florida tax appeal deadlines approaching rapidly, local experts at Ryan work proactively with many jurisdictions across Florida well in advance of the August trim notice mailing to ensure our clients receive maximum tax savings. Guys, I use Ryan, and I hope you will too. Once again, here's John Crossman. All right, we're back here with the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition with the um, second, uh, the final segment. And uh, man, Josh Harris, he's always so good, right? He really is. And this one I really love because it's a little different than some of the ones when we're talking about real estate and the different, I mean, that's your area, man. Right. But uh, learning about kids and uh, the stuff that goes on in the character development of some students like Josh was talking about. Yeah, that's something I'm, I've, I've been around a little bit more first as a dad. Yeah. Uh, and then, but also as a pastor. So yeah. it's so important. The advice Josh was giving parents needs to be heeded. Yeah, I know. I think so. I, I, I think what's interesting, I always just like liking from, from a professor's perspective of what makes a great kid. Right. And of course, you know, you would say like, well, they get an A, but he's got a different experience because he's yeah. in real, he's got real world experience. So he's actually stayed in touch with them. You know, like a lot of, well, let me back up Mike. I am friends with some of my college professors today. Like they can, that's 30 years, that's right? That's crazy. So they yeah. saw me from, you know, a 19 year old college student to, you know, running different companies, things like that. And that's not true. I think in a lot of universities and professors, but here's Josh where he's, you know, teaching these kids and they're 20 years old and then like they're 35 and he's still doing business with some of them. He's in relationships. So mm-hmm. he has that unique perspective of like what works and what doesn't yeah. work, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the kids, they really do need to have this. They need to own it. It's kind of like what happens uh, with their relationship with the Lord. I mean, it needs to be their own, not their parents. Yeah, well, faith is not inherent, right? And so, yeah. you, you know, like kids have to come to their own space on that kind of stuff. And that's why one of the things when he talked about, you know, the kid that's quiet and you don't realize like they're treading water and then all of a sudden it clicks. I love that story. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, I kind of feel like I was that kid, but you know, that also can give some parents some hope because sometimes, you know, um, you know, we all know, you know, parents, they got a kid that struggled the freshman year. Maybe they switch colleges or whatever, what's going to happen to them. And a lot of times that kid can become a superstar yeah. as long as they learn how to adjust and, you know, uh, get there. Right? You know, my three of my kids, uh, my last three, because of where we lived at the time, they all went to UF every one of them went to Santa Fe Community College. 
and then transferred over as a junior to UF. And they found that step that Josh was talking about so helpful in so many ways that, uh, and yet there were some people that we knew, we had a conversation with a lady who thought that our kids were cheating because they didn't start off at UF as a freshman. Let me ask you something. Their diplomas, does that have an asterisk by it? No, or no just, asterisk. It just, it just says UF, right? That's right. Nobody knows. Yeah. No, nobody knows. It's ridiculous. I mean, when I was at FSU, I remember a, a, a business professor said, raise your hand if you just transferred in. It was like a third of the class, yeah. you know? And so look, you save money, but you know, those kids that do that, they graduate more often in four years and with higher GPAs. Yeah. They There's no better. doubt about it. Well, and look, sometimes, look, I, I see it for my kids that being away from home for some kids, it's the right play yeah. and there's an onboarding there, but some don't need that. Yeah. Look, man, it's not one size fits all. You got to find the right space for the right student right? and then the right experience. And some kids are not ready to go away. Some kids are. It just depends. It just uh, really helps them, I think, in every way. Ali graduated magna. And Angela graduated summa cum laude. So I mean, you know, they, so so they graduated magna cum laude, summa cum laude, and I graduated. Thank, thank you, you, laude. laude. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. an old joke, but I was I love it there. <laughs> I set you up, man. I teed that no, one up for no, you. No, 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 <laughs> no. Well, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, Claire, my oldest, you know, she turned nineteen over the summer before her freshman year, and she went to college early. Like she she entered yeah. like a month early, and it was like it was just kind of funny. She's like. A little bit older, and she was ready. So, yeah, uh, Mike. As always, thanks for being here with me. Another, My joy. Another great uh, uh, information from Dr. Josh Harris. Until next time, this has been the Crossman Conversation, the CEO edition. This has been the Crossman Conversation, CEO edition, with your host John Crossman. Tune in next week for another talk with an experienced CEO that will help bring clarity to your business endeavors. The preceding was a Mark Radio production.